God bless you, all of you. Thank you for being here with me tonight. Human nature challenges us because we have desires. We want to be married. We don't want to be married. We want to get through a divorce. We need finances. We want the kids to grow up and be able to move out. We need a car. We would like to be healthier or not have to go through surgery. But with all these requests, and I didn't get everyone's requests, however, the request that we have is not really what we need from the perspective of a child of God. Yeah, my life would be better if I had this, or my life would be better if I had that. And yet God can provide it instantly, and we feel that he hasn't heard us or that he doesn't care or that he doesn't answer that kind of prayer. However, the dilemma is not in what we need to make our lives happier, although we would like that. The dilemma is that we don't know how to trust in God because that is what God wants to accomplish in you and I while we're here on this earth, that you would trust in me, the Lord says. And when we don't trust in him, an emotional response on us, our part, is lack of patience, which produces anger. And if you're sensing anger because you feel God has not answered my prayer in my timeline, then don't condemn yourself because that's not a condemnation. It's an indication that you need to trust in God. Once you trust in him for whatever you're needing, then you're not concerned about that thing anymore because you have his peace. You have the Lord with you. And so that thing takes a back seat to your faith and your trust in God. But how do you get 21st century men and women to trust in someone that they cannot see? How do you get them to trust in God so that their prayers are answered, so that there is hope for them, so that they can say to others, be at peace because God will answer your prayer? Is there a magic formula? Is there something that we're supposed to do? Is there a certain hour we're supposed to get up? Are we supposed to fast for 121 days or walk on broken glass? What do we have to do to get God to answer our prayers? And when he does answer them, I, I taught this one time that there's four answers that he gives. He says no, and then that's when our anger comes up. He says slow, he says grow, he says go. Should I marry this man? No. <laughs> Slow. <laughs> Grow. Go. Should I take this job in another state? No. You see where I'm going with this? So perhaps it's not the answer we want. Well, what we see in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8 through 10, the Bible says that the end of a matter is better than the beginning. And patience is better than pride. 
And do not be quickly provoked in your spirit. That means don't get angry. Don't be so eager to get angry right away. For anger resides in the bosom or the lap of a fool. And do not say, well, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. We want the olden days. It seemed to be better in the olden days. But God is concerned about our future. And he's concerned about us having a destiny. I have two quotes here. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Give him a hand of prayer. Second quote. Our destiny is not written for us, but by us. You're going to wind up where you want to wind up. Nothing in life is going to make you go anywhere that you don't want to be. You determine your destiny. So we're, we're going to look at wishes and hopes and beliefs. Here's some wishes. Tell me if you identify with them. I just want to be healthy. I want to be content. I want a happy marriage and healthy children. I want a fabulous job, and I want to be loved. I don't want sickness. I want health. I don't want to be poor. I want wealth. I don't want loneliness. I want affection. Sound like anyone here tonight? Two of you? <laughs> this that I just read is a mentality of those who don't know about the love of God. This is the way they think. Because if I had these things, I would be much happier. I would be glad that I'm alive. I wouldn't be committing suicide. But those things, their purpose is not to make you happier. What you're lacking is that there's a God-shaped place in the heart of every man and woman, and only God can fill that place. Okay, you understand that? So, we say, well... If things do turn out good, it was because I, and that's not really the truth. And then they say, and if things turn out bad, it must be an act of God. Because God's really out to get me. Well, this is me talking now. I find it remarkable how numerous individuals presume to know the precise course of action that God, God ought to undertake including the manner and timing in which he should execute it. We want it and we want it now, God. Equally astounding to me is the fact that an entire generation remains uninformed regarding his nature, his past deeds on our behalf, his limitless capabilities, and his boundless affection for us. There are so many people that don't know these things. Were you able to know him and know about his love and know about his past abilities and the things that he's done, you would trust in him. This is why those things are in the Bible that we read about, that the Jews, that Israel, when they escaped the dominion of Egypt, they walked across the Red Sea on dry ground, not mud, but on dry ground, because God, through an east wind, allowed Moses to raise his staff and to split the ocean so that Israel could escape the attack of the Egyptians. But when the Egyptians tried to do the same, Moses turned around at God's command, stretched forth his staff, 
and the ocean began to close in on all the Egyptians. And they all drowned, including all the chariots and all the horses. So we, we often criticize the fairness of God without fully comprehending the true nature of justice. What justice? Every single one of us deserve to go to hell. See, now no one's going to clap for that. No, we want to go to heaven. But justice is we have sinned, all have sinned, and fallen short of the glory of God. So if it wasn't for God sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for us, there would be no entrance for us in heaven. We couldn't accept the promise that where I am, Jesus said, there you may be also. That's justice. Justice is we deserve hell. How many of you want justice? Very good. None of us want justice. I demand justice. No, 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 don't, don't. <laughs> don't demand justice because we are worthy of going into hell. We have disobeyed God. What we can demand is God's mercy. Give him a hand of praise. And our judgments regarding divine matters appear to rely solely on hearsay or trendy ideology. Someone said that someone said that someone said something about God, and that's what we believe, because we, have don't, because we don't read the word that he gave us, which has the answers. We, because, you know, with all the information available to us on the internet, we think we can look it up in Google and we can make it happen. I'm going to say this, and you're going to clap so that everyone on VTA is going to think they just had an earthquake. Google does not have the answer God does. God does. He's got it. Even doctors tell you, no, 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 don't look up your illness on Google. Don't. Don't even look it up on the internet. But we're an information-based society. Never have we had so much information available to us, a lot more than they had in previous years. And we have access to it. We don't have to go to the Library of Congress. We just type that in in Google, and there it is. But what do we do with all that information? Where do we get the information about a God that loves us and will answer our prayers and will bring us what we need? We get it from the Word of God. Now, there are people who are poor. There are people who are alone and unhealthy, and they don't feel that God is punishing them. They do not feel forsaken or depressed. They seem to be quite happy. And there are others who are rich, have many friends, and are quite healthy and good-looking, and they're so depressed they're committing suicide. Why? They have left God out of their life. And that is what Ecclesiastes is about. The writer of Ecclesiastes gathered all these wise sayings, and he put them in that book, Ecclesiastes. If you speak Spanish, you, you know the word church, Iglesia. Ecclesiastes means a collection, a gathering. Well, if Iglesia is a gathering of people, Ecclesiastes is a gathering of wise sayings. And God wants you to stop being a fool and to start becoming a wise person. We got three amens and one hallelujah. I'm going to write that down right here. Some individuals 
subscribe to the notion of luck, coincidence, and chance. They may base their daily decisions on perceived signs of astrological movements. In other words, they follow the stars or they look up their zodiac sign because they figure that's where their answer is at. However, this approach can lead to a sense of aimlessness and uncertainty regarding one's ultimate destination. Some individuals place their faith in divination, in practices such as consulting fortune tellers, palm readers, mediums, engaging in brujeria or curses, seeking guidance from gypsies, and performing candle rituals to gain insight into or influence over their destiny. And all the while, God is there all the time waiting patiently in line for you to get through all these people, and then there you are finally in front of him, and now you can get answers to your prayers. Come on, church. Now you can get what you need. Still others pray to statues and expect for those prayers to be answered. The fact is, we are concerned about our future. Where am I going to be and will I be happy while I'm alive on this earth? We're concerned about how others see us. And we're concerned about how we're perceived. Can I change who I am? The answer is no. You can change how you act, but you are you. You cannot be someone else, so quit trying. God did not make two Michael Jacksons, so stop trying to sing like Michael Jackson or dance like him. God made one of you. How many Elvis Presley impersonators are there in the world? God made one. You get my point, okay? You cannot be someone else, so quit trying. Now turn to someone and say, I know he was looking at you when he said that. <laughs> quit trying to be someone else. You're who you are. You're not supposed to be another person. Be who you are. That is who God made you to be, the very person that you are. You know when you become a Christian, you may try and be super holy, and look serious all the time, but you never lose your personality. When you die, your personality is going with you to heaven. Mine's going because I like me, so we go in together. <laughs> Somebody we just got offended. Okay, here's the next point. God is in control. And he's God. And God is in control of the future. And God is in control of your future. Now you're going to say, God is in control of my future. Go on, say it. He's in control. You can't change it. But he's waiting for you to trust him. And I'm telling you, that's the problem. We don't know how to trust God. We pray, but we expect the answer to come tomorrow morning, like the newspaper or like the Google News or whatever. But God is in control. What does that mean? He's in control of time. You're not. He's in control of the weather. You're not. He's in control, ladies, of how your hair looks. I better not say you're not, eh? 
He is the one who's in control of everything, including your future. May we give him a hand of praise, please. He's in control. He's in control. So if you leave this sanctuary tonight, what would you remember about what Pastor Mike said? God's in control of my future. In other words, I can't make things happen no matter what I do. It doesn't matter if I walk on broken glass, not eat for 121 days, or flagellate myself or light 100 candles. You can do nothing to affect your future. You go to the one who holds the future. Okay? We were not, we were not created to control our destiny, not to decide our future. These are in the hand of God. And did you correctly hear that last statement? These are in the hand of God, my future and my destiny. So, where you're at today is not by happenstance or mistake. You know what astounds me? Whenever I go somewhere, it could be 100 miles from here, and I, I'm amazed because I say, man, before time began, God knew that on this date, in this year, that I would be in this place right at this time. Whoa. Come on. Huh? And yet, he's in control of that. And that this person would cross my path. So you see, God's in control of everything. Mankind has always wanted to be in control of their life. They do not want their lives to be in the hand of God. They want to control their own destiny and then demand entrance into heaven. I want to do whatever I bloody well please, and then you're going to let me into heaven. Turn to someone, please, and say, I don't think so, honey. <laughs> Not today. So many people feel they're good enough, and they don't need a Savior. How many of you realize you do need a Savior? Come on, church. We need a Savior. And to contend with God means to fight with God and his will for your life. But simply, watch how I do this, simply flow with it. Whatever happens, God's in control. Yeah, but, but I've been sick. Whatever happens, God is in control. You're not being punished, okay? But I lost my job today. Whatever happens, God's in control. He's got a better job. But my boyfriend left me. Thank God he's in control. Whatever happens. <laughs> if you would learn to relax. God doesn't want you like this all the time. He wants you to relax. <laughs> so if you wound up in Bakersfield or Fresno or Hollister and you had to go there for a job, don't panic. Don't get angry and don't freak out. God knows what he's doing when he created you. He wants you there for a reason. And the sooner you find out that reason, the sooner you perform obediently to his request. Like maybe he wants you to tell another person about him. And after you do that, they say, you know what? Where are you from, San Jose? You know, what kind of work are you looking for? Because my uncle owns this company. Go see it. Whoa. But what do we do? We fight with God. We contend with God. I want it, and I want it my way. I don't think so. So don't try to make things happen. Do what is right, and God will take care of the rest. You've got to hear me, church. Please hear me. God will take care of it. God will take care of the rest. God loves you. He cares about you. So 
back off. Put your boxing gloves away. Change your perception. And why are you mad, bro? Quit being so mad and do like my little grandson says. Chill, bro. Chill, chill, chill. <laughs> Just chill. However, when something happens to us and we feel that it's bad, this is the mentality we entertain. And often a difficult situation provides the richest benefit for us. Your responsibility in this life is to learn about who God is and what God can do. And the only advantage for us is that he had the Jews write down his mighty works and we get to read about it. And the more you read about it, the more you recognize if he can open the Red Sea, if he can raise the dead, God can handle my little problem. Come on, God can turn my situation around. Why am I so frustrated? Why am I so angry? It's only because you want to be in control. Now, we requested that this company come and install gutters for us. I don't install gutters. But how do you think that guy's going to feel if the whole damn standing watching what he's doing with my gutters? And so he said, what do you want? Well, I think you missed a spot. And then he's going to drop his hammer right on my head. So... You get my point. You got to trust people. You have to trust people. You have to trust God that whoever he brings to cross your path, tell yourself, he's in control. What's happening is not a, 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 a punishment. What's happening is not a mistake that you made. What's happening is God is teaching you something. How many of you need to learn something? How many of you know someone sitting next to you that needs to learn something? See? We all need to learn something. Why? We don't know everything. We don't. I have been a Christian for 50 years. That means every year, from January to December, I read the Bible through, from Genesis to Revelation, and I still don't know everything. And God has never told me, Hey, you and I are cool. You don't need to read anymore. You got enough scripture. You never. <laughs> Learn to trust him. Learn to depend upon him. Learn to accept what he's doing in your life and how he chooses to fulfill his plan for you. Because when he's finished and you had nothing to do with it, you're going to say, God, I am sorry I doubted you. And yet, I could not have foreseen how beautiful it turned out when I placed my trust in you. And I myself am subject to the same reasoning of the world that I see in the media and on the large screen, but I do not gain my wisdom from Hollywood. My life is dependent upon the truth of God's word. Watch this. The world is confused but God is peace. Well, that didn't work, so I'll take that out of my notes. <laughs> the world is dissatisfied, but God is contentment. <laughs> that one works, so we'll use this next time. The world is jealous and envious, but God loves. Those of you in the back that aren't clapping, you can be dismissed. <laughs> the world is depressed, but God is joy. 
And we don't know what's good for us, but God does. So, have, have you ever, man, I gotta have that, and you bought it, and then, what the heck did I buy this for? God knows what we need. He wants you to talk to him, and you know how to talk, right? He wants you to talk to him, but please don't go with him and say, hey, bro, I just wanna run down to you, bro. You know what's happening, man? Is this what I need, bro? You're talking to the king of kings, the creator of heaven and earth. So here's my command for you. Put yourself back on God's easel. Surrender your life to him. Give him your worries. Give him your concerns. Put God back in the driver's seat. Give him the keys. Sit down, buckle up, and shut up. And this is where you this is why you are here on this earth, to learn what he can do about your problems. God, he can handle any problem we have, and he will handle. Give my God a hand of praise. Please. In Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14, the Bible says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. So, I'm gonna end with this. Life is short. You may not think it is. If you just take your year in five-year increments, your life in five-year increments, you see how quickly it passed from kindergarten to elementary school to junior high to high school to some to college or to some to work and where you're at today and how quickly time has passed. Life is short. Don't waste it with anger. You should not be angry about things. Don't waste it with jealousy because someone has something you don't have. Don't waste your life with that. Don't waste your life with regret, doubt, pity, or depression. Because these things have not brought you what you expect from life. In fact, they're robbers. They take from you what God intended you to have. These things deplete you of energy, happiness, and fun. So get up again and start living life the way that God intended for you to live it. And John 10.10 John 10 says, a thief is only here to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I came, Jesus said, so you can have real and eternal life, more and better life than you ever dreamed of. That's what God has for us. Here's the final point, and then I'm gonna ask you to come to the altar, and whatever situation you're overwhelmed with, you're feeling, whatever situation is robbing you of peace, I'm gonna ask you to come to the altar and just give it to God. Just give it to him. You can actually say, Lord, I give you this problem, and I will exchange this problem for your peace. See, that's the way it works. Well, who else are you going to give your problem to? Him. He will take the problem because it's not big to him. So we tend to look at God through the eyes of our problem 
and our problem looms big and we think God is small. But look at your problem through the eyes of God and our God is big and our problem is small. Here's the final point. We don't know the future, God does. But quit trying to find out what's gonna happen. What are you gonna do with that information? If you have given your life to God, then all that happens does not, not, it does not take God by surprise. <gasps> oh my God. He is in control. Here, your pastor. We were not created to worry. You, wait, wait, I'm not done. I know you want to clap, but I paused to let you think about what I just said. I didn't lose my place in my notes. <laughs> we were not created to worry. Actually, that's a sin. We were created to trust. Now you can give God a hand of praise. And it's easier to worry. And that is why so many of us are good at it. Stop it. It's a sin. Hebrews 12, 2 says this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the first and the last. He knows what he's doing, and he's got to get you somewhere. While you hear this music, come up here and give God your situation. It doesn't mean you're a sinner, and I don't have to hear what you're giving to God. In fact, I will step back. But come and give him what's got you so worried. Come on. God even knew who would come up here tonight. God even knew the words that you would say to him. And what pleases him, what causes him to rejoice is that his children put their faith in him. You came forward to hear God tell you how much he loves you. He is not angry at you. He loves you. And he will turn your situation back around the way it's supposed to be. Come on. He will turn it. He will turn it. So you can leave the sanctuary tonight. You can leave this altar knowing, one, God loves me. Two, God heard my prayer. Three, God will answer my prayer, not the way you want him to, because he's in control. Four, he's not angry at you. He's not upset. But he knows how to turn it around for good. Because God is a good God. God is good. And all the time, what the song said is what Satan meant for evil, God turns that around for good. Give him a hand of praise. So now, don't think that he down there is going to give up. He's going to try and come back in tonight before you go to sleep and tell you, you know, all that wasn't true because he's gonna bring worry back in. Say this with me, say shut up. My wife told me there's a number of ways to say shut up, but if you really want somebody to shut up, you shut up, okay? 
So when that devil comes back in your house or your room tonight with another lie, just tell him, devil, shut up. I am a child of God. He heard my prayer. He answers my prayer. And he's a good God. He's a good God. Come on, church. Celebrate his goodness. Thank you for being obedient. I love you. Good night. And God bless you.